Well, welcome to the podcast that we call Time in God's Word. And this is David Carnes. And as always, just a pleasure to be with you today. And as we get back together, we are walking through a text out of 1 John in chapter 4 and the first six verses. And this is a text in which the Apostle John is writing about the Christian's ability to discern. And specifically, what John is saying here is the Christian has the ability to discern between the spirits, that being what the Holy Spirit of God says and that being what the spirits of Satan have to say. And as we begin to look at this text a few days ago, we found that this is how John opens all of this up. But then, as we have continued through this part of John's letter, we've also found that John goes on to speak specifically about the false teachers, Satan's agents in this world that share the lies of Satan. Now, we have learned that there are many, as John tells us, and they are found in the church, they're found in the false religions of the world, they're found in the cults, But then, not only are there many false teachers throughout this world, but they are also so very subtle. I mean, they're so cunning. They may even talk about Jesus, uplift Jesus, but at the same time, not preach the true Jesus. But now, with that said, as we just continue then to walk through this text, what we find next is John now presents the marks of the true preacher and the marks of the false teacher. And let me say that we need to know how to discern between the two. We need to know when a false teacher is before us and when a true man of God is before us. And this is what John then does here. And specifically in our look at the text today, what we're going to find is that John says that the true man of God is a man that will stand and confess the incarnation of Jesus that Jesus is God in the flesh. Now, the false teacher will never confess this, but the true man of God will. The true preacher will do just that. But this is where John now goes in all of this. And let me take you now then to the text. First John chapter four, and today specifically, verses two and three, as we spend time in God's word. Let me give you point number one as we identify the true preacher of the man of God. The true preacher, number one, here's point one. The true preacher will confess the incarnation of Jesus Christ. You want to know a true preacher? You want to know if someone is true standing before you? This is going to be a man who is always going to confess the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Now you ask, where do we see it? Well, let's look at our Bibles. We're in 1 John. We're in chapter 4. But look at verse number 2, and let me read just the first little phrase. Verse number 2, John writes, By this you know the Spirit of God. Now, John, now we're going to stop there for a moment, but after, remember now, verse 1, John is just commanded for you, the church, to always be testing. Test the spirits. But now he says, again, here's how you can know the Spirit of God. Or in other words, here's how you can know the true man of God, the true preacher, the one who is true, who speaks the truth of God. And that is, there are qualities. There are characteristics. He says, by this you know this guy. This is what he's saying. By this, and the word this, that's referring to these, here's some characteristics. That's what that means. 
So what are they? All right, again, just keep reading. Verse number two. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Now again, he says, by this, this is how you know the true man of God. How is it, John? Well, every spirit. Now he's talking about the men that the true spirit speaks through. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Now this again, that's that first characteristic of the true preacher of God. John again saying that every spirit again, every spirit who is of the Holy Spirit, is going to speak through a man, and that man is going to say, Jesus has come in the flesh. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Now, that's what the true man of God is going to confess. Now, let me bring out a couple of words here. As we look at this, first of all, can we look at the word confesses? Let's do that. You look at the word confesses because, again, every spirit that confesses. Now, the word in the Greek text, homo logeo in the Greek, and this is what the word simply means. It simply means to admit. It means to acknowledge openly. Not to keep it a secret, but to acknowledge it openly and to confess it publicly. So the true man of God will say, Jesus Christ, and he's going to say it openly, and he's going to declare it, and he's going to say, Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, and again, he will say this. Why? He will say it because Scripture says it. That's why he'll say it. But now with that said, there's something else here that we need to bring out. We need to go a little deeper into what John has just said. And we can do that by looking at two more words. And here are the words that I want you to look at in your Bible right now. Look at the word Jesus. Look at the word Christ. You have those two words in your Bible, don't you? Yes. Let's just look at the word Jesus for just a very brief moment. The word Jesus, the name Jesus, that is the name of the man. His name is Jesus. That is His name. That then would speak of His humanity. That Jesus is a man. And so keep that in mind. But then you have the word Christ. John, as he writes it here, Jesus Christ. I want you to understand something as we look at the word Christ. That is not Jesus' last name. Please understand that. The word Christ is a title. That's what it is. The word Christ actually means anointed one. That's what it means. And so when you see Jesus Christ in Scripture, in your mind, what you need to begin saying to yourself is, Jesus the Christ. Jesus the anointed one. That's what you need to think of. Jesus is the Christ. He's the anointed one. By the way, the word anointed actually means chosen. Chosen. And so the words again speak of Jesus and all He is, all that He has been chosen to do. That's how you can look at this when you see Jesus the Christ. And so you ask yourself the question, well, what is it that Jesus has been chosen to do? Well, let me just run some things down. For example, Jesus has been anointed as Savior. Has He not? Yes, He is. He is the only one who saves. It is Jesus the Christ. The name Jesus, by the way, let's just go back, backtrack a moment, to the name Jesus itself. The name Jesus means Savior. Did you know that? That's what it means. And so He has been anointed, He has been chosen to be the Savior. But Jesus, not only that, has been also anointed to come and bear the sins of man. It's Jesus who has been chosen to do that. But then also that... 
Not only that, but Jesus has also been chosen to die for your sins. He's the anointed one. He's the one who has come to to die for your sins. He's also been the one chosen, anointed to go to a grave and rise up from a grave. He then therefore think of Jesus this way. When we talk about Him being the Christ, He is your substitute on the cross. He has been chosen to be your replacement on the cross. He's the one who died in your place for your sins. Because remember, the wages of sin is death, and you deserve death. But He's come, and He has been the substitute made on the the cross, and He has died in your place. But then Jesus also anointed to be King of kings and Lord of lords. There is no one higher than He is. He rules over all. Also, the Bible teaches us that Jesus has been anointed as the creator. It is Jesus who has created all things. You ask, how do we know that? Well, John tells us in his gospel. In chapter 1, verse number 3, when speaking of Jesus, John writes, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He is the creator, anointed to be that. But then also we have to remember that Jesus has been anointed to be our advocate. He is actually our defense lawyer. He is our defense attorney. Scripture says he is at the right hand of the Father. And what is he doing? He is defending all of his children against the false accusations that are continually being made by the devil to the Father against you. If you know Christ, the devil is constantly accusing you before the Father. Oh, so-and-so, he's not saved, she's not saved, and yet Jesus is there as your advocate saying, no, I died for him, I died for her, and she, he has accepted me. But then also understand that Jesus the Christ, the anointed, is also God. And this is what we have to remember. He is God. He is the second person of the Trinity, the second person of the Godhead. John, for example, and we'll get there soon, but in chapter number 5 of this letter... In verse number 20, John writes, Jesus Christ is the true God and eternal life. You cannot get any more plain than that, can you? But now with that said, John then makes the point in verse 2 that the true man of God, and hear me on this now, he says the true man of God, he says the true preacher, he is a man that the spirit of truth speaks through, and one thing that you can count on is that the true man of God will confess that Jesus, the Christ, now listen to me, the Christ, the anointed one, the Savior, the Creator, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the advocate on your behalf, God has come to this earth and He has taken on flesh. And understand, but the false teachers will never say that. The false teachers will never confess that. They will not say that God left heaven to come here to be man and take on flesh. It will not come out of their mouths. Now, let me just say this. They won't confess it, but it doesn't mean they don't believe it. As a matter of fact, there are examples in Scripture where the demons, they know exactly who Jesus is. Let me give you one example. In Mark's Gospel, there is the account of Jesus driving out a demon from a man. And that same demon says to Jesus in Mark chapter 3, verse 24, the demon says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. 
That's what the demon said to Jesus. And so the demonic spirits, they know the truth of Jesus. And so do the false teachers. The false teachers know. And yet the false teacher is never going to confess, never going to proclaim the truth to the people that are before them. Let me tell you why. Because maybe you're sitting there going, well, if they know it, why won't they say it? But you see, the entire reason for God to come to this earth and to become man all boiled down to this. And that is the fact that man is sinful and man needs a Savior. And understand that sin, again in our lives, causes death, a spiritual death, a separation from God. And so there needs to be someone to come and die for the sins of man, die in man's place. And guess who it needs to be? It needs to be another man. That's who it needs to be. It needs to be a man, just not only, just an, an, not an ordinary man, but a perfect man. It needs to be a man who can take your sins upon himself and die for your sins because he has no sins of his own to die for. And so who is that man? Well, he has to be a God man. He has to be God in the flesh. And that is who Jesus is. And this is what it boils down to. It boils down to God leaves heaven, second person of the Trinity. He becomes man, takes on flesh. This perfect man, Jesus who is the Christ, the anointed one, the Savior, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Creator. God takes the sins of those who would come to Him by faith and He dies on a cross for us. He pays the penalty for sin that we should have to pay and that's death. He goes to a grave, He rises up from that grave. The Bible says that anyone then who comes to faith in Him Jesus will have eternal life. Now, listen to me. That's the incarnation of Jesus. God coming here, putting on flesh, and dying for you. But understand this, and that is the devil will never promote that. The devil's not going to promote that. The devil will never promote the fact that man needs a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus the Christ who is God in the flesh. As a matter of fact, what the devil promotes is always a self-salvation. A self-salvation. In other words, that you can save yourself. That you can work your way to God. The devil will never promote the truth. And so the false teachers stay away from the doctrine of the incarnation. They don't teach it. And they don't teach it simply because they want you to be lost. They don't want you to be saved. They're constantly teaching a works-based salvation. They're never going to say that a sinless man... God in the flesh came to die for sinful man. But understand as they stand in a church, they will promote Jesus. They'll promote Him. They'll speak of Him highly. But they will also say that there is more to salvation than this one by the name of Jesus. That you must impress God with your life. That's what they'll say. You need to impress God with your life in order to be with God. You must work your way to Him. As a matter of fact, look back at your Bibles. Let's just keep reading. Look at verse number 3. In verse number 3, John goes on to say, And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Now, you know what John does here? He drives this point home, doesn't he? That's what he does. He says, those who don't confess the incarnation, that's what he's saying, okay? He's saying, those who do not confess Jesus, God in the flesh, that came to die for the sins of man, he's saying, they are antichrist. Do you see that? It's very clear. 
they're controlled by the spirit that is antichrist. And as a church, we've come to find what that little word means, antichrist. It simply means against Christ. That's what it means. Antichrist, anti the Messiah, anti all who Jesus is. Antichrist. And notice John says that the antichrist is in the world when now. Back in chapter 2, verse number 18, you might remember this. Remember where John wrote, so and now so many antichrists have come. I mean, there are many false teachers, many against the Christ, Jesus the Savior. And so to keep the lost lost, the false teachers, those not of the Spirit of God, are going to deny that Jesus the Christ came in the flesh, that He came to die for the sins of man, God in the flesh. You'll never hear Him say that. And so that's point one in all this. But the true man of God, what will he say? He'll say, friends, listen to me. Sin keeps you from God. And you need a Savior. You need somebody to come and die in your place for your sins. Guess who that is? His name is Jesus, the Christ. God who came down from heaven. Who took on flesh. Bore your sin. Died in your place on the cross. And the Bible simply says... You place your faith in Him and Him alone. Who He is. Who is He? God in the flesh. And you place your faith in what He did. What did He do? He took your sin and died for it in your place. He went to a grave. He rose up from a grave alive, proving that He has power over sin and death, and He can give anybody eternal life who simply comes to Him by faith. That's what the Bible says. That's what a true man of God will say. And why will a true man of God say that? Because the Bible says that. Now, this is something that we as Christians need to always remember, and that is the true man of God is going to stand and say, Jesus is God in the flesh. And again, the reason being, it has taken a perfect man, a God-man, to bear the sins of man and then to die for the sins of man. Understand that only a perfect man can do that, a perfect man who has no sins of his own to die for, so therefore... He can die for yours, and he can die for mine. But also understand this, the false teacher is never going to proclaim the incarnation of Jesus for that very reason. The devil's agents will never say that simply because they don't want to proclaim that Jesus is God, the God-man, the only one qualified to die for your sins. And so, therefore, the only one that can save. And so... That's the first mark in this text as John brings out the marks of the true preacher of God and the false teachers. But now, let me say you have a blessed day. You live for the Lord. Bring honor to Him with your life. And may you just grow in that relationship with Him. And we'll see each other again as we spend time in God's Word.